So let's call the meeting to order. And um, we can just go ahead and wait, and when Joe gets here, we'll be able to vote, right? Um, so perhaps I would suggest that what we could do is maybe we could, if there's any of the public portions of the meeting that you wanted to start, you could go ahead and take those. And then when Joe gets here at that point, you could go into closed session and um, handle the matters you know, for which a quorum would be necessary. All right. So we'll take the roll call anyway. Trustee Zorkian? Here. Trustee Jim Ruiz is on his way. Trustee Hernandez and Trustee Jensen won't be at today's meeting. Trustee Lawrence? Here. All right. So we ordinarily go rather rapidly into closed session for this meeting, but because uh, uh, Trustee DeVries isn't here yet, we'll proceed with some of the open session. Um, and um, we'll skip over the minutes and the policies, I think, since that requires votes. So we, can we go to um, discussion of issues around the census at PES? That clicker. I only get three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Your mic was hot. Your mic was hot. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Guy Quiskart. Um, Thank you. So uh, with, with apologies to Trustee Lawrence and Del Vecchio and Louise, who, who sat through this presentation at the uh, Board of Supervisors Healthcare Committee meeting earlier this week, great. This, is, uh, this is the uh, proposal, if we can go, I'm going to go back one. This is the proposal uh, that we put together uh, with, in partnership with HCSA and BHCS, uh, Behavioral Healthcare Services and uh, Healthcare Services uh, Administration. Uh, so Karen, Dr. Karen Tribble is a de deputy director for BHCS, and she and I have been working closely together along with our medical staff and other staff uh, at John George and administration here to begin to address the challenges that uh, are, were historically called PES overcrowding, but frankly have, uh, most folks understand it as a community challenge to resources across a continuum. You can see here that there are solutions here, but the solutions are more than just single-focused uh, single because it's a complex problem which require complex solutions. Some of the solutions to the, uh, to the challenges of the number of patients coming to John George through PES have to do with uh, appropriate staffing in the PES itself, available community resources, as you can see here, uh, the use of telepsychiatry throughout the county, uh, optimizing our utilization of existing resources as well as uh, considering and expanding uh, the footprint and ability to care for patients at John George. So that's the overview. We've been speaking from this platform for the past three healthcare committees. And I'll go into some detail. Community resources will be such things as available resources for patients to disposition into after they are uh, assessed and stabilized from their crisis, but they don't require inpatient acute uh, services. These resources can be things as, such as crisis residential services, like the new Jay Mahler Center behind John George, 
to the use of uh, subacute beds at Villa Fairmont. Uh, and as you heard earlier, uh, the telepsychiatry, the county is, has a pilot program in place at St. Rose uh, to use telepsychiatry in their emergency department uh, as a, uh, a real-time consultation for patients that might, uh, might uh, be dispositioned or de discharged from their 5150. They can lift the hold. So far, according to their statistics, there is a small number of patients that they've been able to do that for. And again, this is a, this is a pilot of a model that my hope is that they'll begin to roll this, uh, this will be successful and we'll roll this out more countywide uh, in the future. Guy, yes, I, I wasn't quite certain when you talked before. Is, is that um, the pilot? Yes. And when they dismiss them from the uh, 5150s? Yes. Is that when they can go into the community resources? Is that, yes. Is yes. that's the period of time when that, that occurs? That's correct. Okay. Or they can go back home. Or, or, or back home. Yes, but a okay. disposition that would not include acute psychiatric inpatient services or additional or additional evaluation at John George. Okay. If I can just add that it removes the necessity that a patient come to John George in order to have a 5150 lifted. Because oftentimes it's very clear from a clinical standpoint that the patient is stabilized, but they still have to come to John George because from a legal standpoint, we're the only ones that can lift the 5150. So this empowers the local people in the emergency room to do that. And do you need a particular license to do that, to lift that? Yes. Is that? Yes. And is uh, St. Rose the only, the only local thing besides, besides John George that, that has that ability, or is that pretty, pretty common license? They have that ability as a result of this telepsychiatry, as a result of this telepsychiatry pilot. They have that ability because no, the psychiatrist not, is on the other end of the line. Not St. Rose. In, could any, I think I, maybe I misunderstood. So uh, St. Rose needs to have a license to do that. Well, you need a licensed individual who's capable of lifting a 5150 accessible to that local emergency room. And most emergency rooms do not have ready access to a psychiatrist or psychologist who could drop the hole. So the telepsychiatry pilot program, if it's successful, we can move that out to a number of hospitals in the Bay Area. Yes. Yes. Yes, including Alameda Hospital and San Leandro, even our own uh, ER here at Highland, okay. as well as Washington Hospital. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, use of existing resources. This has to do with uh, optimizing our use of mobile crisis teams in the county, which the county runs, uh, and our step-down beds. Expansion of John George capacity, I'm moving rather rapidly because there's more about this in the presentation, would be to uh, build a new PES and expand inpatient capacity on that campus, which I've discussed before. So far, this and this is the county portion of the presentation, uh, behavioral health care services portion of the presentation. Uh, what they have done to date so far is they've added additional uh, mobile evaluation teams, MET teams, uh, in other counties throughout California. These could be called psychiatric emergency response teams or psychiatric emergency teams. In San Diego, for example, their pet teams do ride-alongs with their police officers, their law enforcement, and are able to write a hold in the field based on a psychiatric evaluation rather than just an anecdotal uh, uh, police observation of danger to self, danger to others, or grave disability. It's a very successful program in San Diego, and Alameda County is, is mirroring that to a certain extent. The post-crisis mentoring program is, uh, I'm excited about it because we just received uh, uh, the contract from the county. This is the Mentors on Discharge program. The goal here is to pair up 
folks who are in recovery from their mental illness with folks who are currently in hospitals. And the idea is that, my apologies. I love that song. Yeah. All righty. Uh, the goal there is to, uh, uh, that the mentors will share their experience, their strength, and their hope with patients who are currently in the hospital. And during that initial innovative program that we started about four years ago, we saw a reduction of 72% uh, rehospitalization from the cohort of patients that uh, took advantage of this program. So we're looking at this as a post-crisis pre-hospital type of a program to reduce the overall need for psychiatric crisis, crisis services. Was there a common diagnosis with those no. individual patients? Or there was, was not. Okay. There was not. There was a, there was a, a, very, a variant in the diagnosis. Right? The St. Rose telepsychiatry pilot, to date, they've, they've experienced 10% of the total 5150s that have, been, that have come from that hospital and been able to be discharged from that emergency room. It's a small number. On any given month, we get anywhere from about three to seven transfers from St. Rose. I've seen it a little bit higher. Rarely have I seen fewer than three. So St. Rose is not a big funneler of folks to us, but it's a good place to start a pilot because of the lower volume at this point. Uh, so far, it looks like the results are promising, but uh, it's a full year. It's a one-year pilot program. Where yes. are those psychiatrists when they're doing those telecon psychiatry consults? I, I don't know who they've contracted with. I mean, with. Uh, do you know? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. But it was CP. It, it is, but physically, where are they? Oh. In, yeah. I mean. They're at the other end of the tele. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The I mean, they, <laughs> they could be anywhere in California. That's I correct. It. Right. Um, That's okay. Right. Yes. And, <coughs> and they would have to be credentialed with that, with that facility to provide those services, similar yes. to Nighthawk services that we have in radiology. Right. Can you tell oh, me? I'm sorry, Joe. Uh, why did we start with St. Rose? Uh, I don't know why. The, I don't know why the county chose with, uh, chose that organization. Didn't they come to them? I don't know the history behind that. Yeah. Is that where Dr. Zeller is now? He's no, with, he's with CEP. Right. He's he's with the company that went to them with the idea. But he's not with something very Okay. Uh, I, I was curious about about the pilot as well because, in fact, if this is successful, then then I think we've added a great service to so many people. So, and in my educational experience, usually we don't do a pilot with just one place because you want to have compare variables. So I was interested in how one goes about starting a pilot and getting a pilot. And, and I'm not in a position to answer that question. Okay. I think this is a BHCS uh, uh, proposal. Again, Dr. Zeller went, with them, went to them with the idea, and I know that Manuel Jimenez was very interested in, in, uh, in testing the service. Okay. So, so isn't it a, well, the, the ability to, uh, to lift, sorry. The ability to lift 5150s is, uh, right now, it's, it's restricted to um, psychiatrists and psychologists, right? Correct. Uh, and, 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 and that's what I was wondering about the ED doc part of it. So are there, there are some ED docs who have the, in, in, is it based by, like, by county or municipality where ED docs can have the ability to lift 5150s? It varies county by county. Right. In Alameda County, though, there are no ED doc. I don't believe Currently. ED docs are allowed to live. No, the hard ED docs do, I think. Is that? I thought that's through consultation. No, with I don't Dr. think they Darius. can. It's yeah. 
through, yes, with yeah. a psychologist. Are you sure? I think that's what usually creates the bottleneck. I, I, I think so. Uh, but the reason I bring this up, because I thought the trustee said no, that it is, it is a, it's a controversial topic within the psychiatric community in the state. Uh, and so that's why you know, uh. there's, there's a bit of a... Uh, it's also a controversial topic with, uh, with NAMI California. This was a proposal at AB 1300, a state, uh, a state bill that, that uh, didn't get through legislation. Right. NAMI opposed it because they felt that there was, a, um, there was uh, not enough training that the ED docs had in order to lift the hold. They were concerned about overcrowding in EDs and a, a uh, potential of discharging patients too early without mm -hmm. that specialty training. Mm -hmm. My understanding is that if a facility is directly aligned with a mental health facility like Highland is with John George, the medical staff, they're on the same medical staff, then those ED physicians can. And so that's why the ED physicians here, so, and Joe, I, I see you, but this is what we were told because our ED director, Dr. Calderon, has been working with the county trying to get that same privilege for the physicians at um, San Leandro because it's a problem for us. And so this is something we've been pursuing, and I may have the particulars wrong, but that's what we were told, was that it was about the affiliation with a, an inpatient psychiatric facility that gave those ED docs that authority. So could you just clarify that, perhaps? Or? That's news to me. I've never heard yeah, that. I've never heard that either. We'll okay. update you next yeah. month. So yes. let me Great. make sure I understand something. Um, the pilot is not about ED docs releasing the hold because no. the, the doctor releasing the hold is the psychiatrist yes, on the phone. Exactly. That is correct. Or on the television oh, screen yeah. or whatever, FaceTiming. Um, so, uh, okay. Correct. The idea of ED docs, so currently no ED docs in the county can. Is that correct? No. Well, that's, that's, you know, that's what we're debating. I'm not aware of any ED docs that have that ability nor have given any authority to lift the hold. But they do so in consultation with psychiatrists. So, so what we understood at San Leandro was that it is county by county, and for example, some of the docs, because we use CEP as well, they work in other counties, and they do lift them because other counties do allow them to do so, and so it was a point of frustration for them that they can do it Monday, and they can't do it Tuesday when they're working at San Leandro, and so we were trying to see if there are a way for them to have the same capability at San Leandro as they do in other facilities, and so that's the path that Dr. Calderon has been pursuing. Would you, would you talk about what it means to lift a 5150? What does it mean to lift a 5150? So it's... Maybe Dr. Walker... I'm sorry. What does it mean to lift a 5150? It means the person is no longer held against their will. It means they're free to leave. So when you place it, it's it's uh, the designation self. is danger to self or others, or right? Or grave disability, right. grave disability, and inability okay. to provide food, clothing, and shelter. Okay. And remember, it's you can have the prerogative to place a hold, and don't necessarily have the prerogative to lift a hold. So if if someone, for example, comes to our emergency room and they're under 5150, the emergency doctor can they're still under 5150 and transfers to to John George. To John George. Okay, that was my understanding. Or of you can obtain a consultation if you have a psychiatrist on staff okay. who can come to, which we have at least Monday through Friday here. So we have a psychiatrist who can go to the emergency room here and lift a hold. I see. So I, I'm sorry, while we're on this pilot, uh, of the 50% of patients referred to the PES from emergency rooms in the county, can you give me a breakdown of 
what percentage are coming from each emergency room? So, like, what percentage of that 50% is St. Rose, approximately, versus Highland, versus uh, Kaiser, Kaiser Bates, right? I can't. I'm not sure if I've got it at my fingertips right here. Trustee DeVries. DeVries. But I know Guy does have it because I've seen yeah, it. Do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. Let me get back to you on that one. It's a very small percentage. I mentioned before you came in, it's maybe three to seven patients a month that come to us right. from St. Rose, a very small number. So I guess my curiosity is, what's the next, what's the biggest one? Is it Highland? Highland. By far? By far. Okay, so can we try the pilot at Highland? Like, shouldn't, wouldn't that... If it were my pilot, absolutely. Oh, it's behavior health. That's county. correct. It's the county's pilot. So, can we ask them? Can we, our board formally we, ask for that because of the uh, as part of the solution? Well, I don't think, I don't think our ED folks here will be very happy about that because oh. we are already overcrowded, especially during the peak hours of uh, oh. of uh, PS. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we can think about it. Certainly, we can study it. You but mean that they would have to be on the phone? Well, they need to be physically detained here in Highland, and if we have med surge cases detained in the same place, but they would have to be physically deterred. Uh, I mean, held here the pa anyway. The patient, anyway. right? Yeah, I mean, right. lifting. Right. Right. Of, yeah, sorry, ahead. I was going to say. I, th I think part of just to speak to this a little bit. Part of the concern, even with starting the telus uh, site uh, pilot at St. Rose, was if you. Uh, create so before that all uh, 5150s that come from the field that don't require medical clearance right. go straight to John George. If you have a place that now can lift 5150s, um, there's a potential for perverse behavior to happen where if there is a concern about the uh, um, census or, or, or uh, issues at John George that a patient could be diverted to a medical ED, ostensibly to be medically cleared, but also uh, now because that ED has the ability to lift with 150s, it's a one-stop shop for a uh, for a EMS or law enforcement or we're dropping them off. So uh, we want this actually. We I think we've actually already um, uh, telegraphed that uh, to the extent that this pilot proves effective that. Uh, within all of our facilities where we do, particularly at San Leandro and Alameda, but uh, Highland as well, uh, where we are experiencing the challenges of our providers now having to wait for transport or what have you when patients are declared 5150 uh, to get to John George, we want the ability that if they could lift it there, it's right for the patients that they do that. Uh, we just wanted to make sure that some of these concerns uh, about how this might play out in practice don't actually happen. And I think to uh, Dr. Jamaluddin's point, um, uh, some of the ED providers at Highland uh, might actually have some concern that if it became a practice too soon that Highland could do it We're, with us already getting a lot of patients who require the medical clearance, uh, we might actually then introduce a uh, uh, incentive to bring even more patients to Highland mm. uh, to have the 5150 lifted here because uh, we could do both the medical and the behavioral. So, so I think it's just something we want to kind of like closely watch and be uh, delicate uh, with before we push a little bit too aggressively. And I do have that breakdown. I was able to pull it up. We've got, uh, and we did a one-month study of all of the ambulance arrivals at John George, and 25% of those arrivals in that month came from Highland. 16% came from San Leandro Hospital, 14% came from Eden, 
10% came from Alta Bates Summit. 8% during that month came from St. Rose. 7% came from Valley Care. 7% came from Washington Hospital. 7% came from all Kaisers combined. Huh. And then 3% came from Santa Rita Jail, counting that as a facility. And 2% were all others combined. Okay. So, um, so where were the off-the-street ones? Where does where does? Oh, that was so. Fifty percent of the patients come from. These are being transferred from other facilities. Oh yeah. Okay. This is the one okay. half that come from emergency rooms right. elsewhere. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's what I asked you. About. Okay. Thank so, you. Sorry. Uh, and, and I threw Highland out there just because you said, well, that's number one and it's part of our system. But honestly, um, you know, could we ask the county to expand to? You know, Eden and Alta Bates, that's, that's a quarter. You know, and, and maybe since they're private hospitals, it would be less likely that we'd see that rush. I don't know. Or, I mean, so could we come up with a logic to appeal to the county to expand the, the, the pilot either geographically or, or something other than St. Rose, which is only 7%? I think, I think it has to be two-pronged, though. So it's not the county can expand it, but the facility has to be interested in doing it as well. Right. So they, yeah, they could go out right now and say we'll expand it to every place. But if the facility's not, not ready to introduce or are going to an arrangement with the telepsych uh, service, then, then that's fine. The, but the, to, to James's point, like this, what we were thinking about um, uh, as a corollary to this, not necessarily just telepsych, but the ability of our providers, our ED providers, if you know, again, there's interest, and we know at San Leandro there is, uh, for them to be able to. Uh, uh, release uh, 5150s because we actually heard I think uh, the MEC I attended at uh, at San Leandro we were talking about this in two contexts one patients in, who present from the field for medical clearance who could be uh, released there but also uh, rare occasions but it does happen that a patient might actually be placed on uh, 5150 uh, admitted to the hospital that 5150 laps while the patient's in care but once their medical care is cleared uh, they're still concerned that this patient needs uh, um, uh, 5150, and so uh, um, I don't know if the, the ability, maybe they do have the ability to place them there, but there was some, I don't think so, actually. They, they had to wait for law enforcement or somebody else Correct. to come, but if we had an ED provider who was there who was certified and able to do this, then we'd have a faster response even in the inpatient setting if, if again, in those rare cases that this needed to occur. Well, so. our, if I'm, if we... Our ED providers can definitely place a 5150. Yes. They can't let yes. They may not be able to clear it, clear it but I'm that. still yeah. wondering if that's... And the reason they can place a 5150 at this hospital is this is the hospital that is LPS designated by the county, and John George is a department of Highland. That's right. licensed under Highland. Right. That's how that mechanism license. works. That may get so, so I think that's correct. I probably I misstated it, but that was the what I was trying to drive to. And, and Delecchio is right because we do have a, a real problem with patients who have it's lapsed after a certain number of hours, and we end up calling the police department in San Leandro Police Department. So I have regular meetings with the police department. One of their major concerns with our facility, and they don't have many, but the one they have is that we call them to place these 5150s for them, and they. And they said, we're not mental health professionals, and so it's kind of awkward for you to call us to come to your hospital to do this thing, and um, I, I think they're right. So it would be very helpful if we could achieve this. Okay, I, if I can. 
I'd like to move along? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is, we spent hours at CHA talking about just this thing, the issue of uh, differences in 5150 applications throughout the state. There is a, uh, a HOPE intervention program that is, uh, it, the goal again here is intensive case management and to intervene in the, in the field if you can. This again is a county program. They're targeting youth between the ages of 16 and 25. The acronym for those youth are transitional age youth, oftentimes fall through the cracks of, uh, of uh, acute and uh, acute and ongoing care. The other aspect that the county is uh, is working with us on, although uh, we're what I would call in its infancy, is the expansion of capacity at John George. Uh, you've heard from me about this before: is that we definitely need more PES space. But at the same time, to expand PES space without expanding inpatient space, uh, we create another bottleneck. Moving on to the presentation that relates to PES uh, itself, uh, the information that I presented to the board was completed for August. I do have September's numbers updated. The census for August and how we measure census is very interesting in an emergency environment. You can, me you can measure it on any given moment, uh, a picture in time. And it could be different dramatically from hour to hour. So the census that we're quoting here is the number of visits, registered visits. Those are folks who walk in and we assess them, or folks who were brought in by ambulance, so we assess them. And we count those from midnight to midnight. In addition to that, we add to that the number of patients that have stayed over 24 hours in PES. It's still a person to take care of, but we can't count it as another visit. So that's what we call visits. Those are the total visits in a 24-hour period. So in August, it doesn't mean that every single day, 49 patients were in PES 24-7. It means that the average daily number of visits and folks were staying over 24 hours is four, about 49. The average length of stay, which is a critical indicator in any emergency and or inpatient environment, it historically was between 20, roughly 24 hours, as high as almost 30 hours last year, and now it's down to 19 hours. We attribute that to the use of our triage physicians. That average daily census is broken down, as you can see here, into roughly 39 patients a day that were, that were registered visits and about 10 patients a day that were staying greater than 24 hours. The number that we have for September, oh, there's the average length of stay in a graphic representation. And this is before we put the triage docs in. Please uh, look at the 83 days before and 83 days after. The 31 days is, was just a reference point. So about three months before we put the triage doctors in, we averaged about 56 patients a day. And about three months after we put the triage doctors in, we're averaging about 49 patients a day. Guy, if I could get you to go back a slide. And by the way, I, I was there Monday. I think you did a great job. But I, oh, I want to drill you. down on a couple of these things. So. Um, Two, two things, uh, well, three. Um, I know the length of stay is 19.2 hours right. in the PES. And that includes these 9.7 patients a day that are staying for over 24 hours. So right. first question I have is what is going on with those 9.7 patients that we can't, so don't answer this, I'm gonna ask you three questions. So like, I wanna drill down on that population because you guys could handle 39 patients a day. Mm -hmm. Without a problem. I know that the health aides that were on tour, you had about a 30 patient census the day they were there last Thursday, and everything was running smoothly. 
and everyone seemed fine. Uh, but 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 you add that that 9.7 a day. That's what really gets you up, bumping up at that 50 number that they're so that we've been hearing bantered around. Um, and so so I want to drill down on that. Um, I also am curious of you know why why 19.2 hours just for everyone else. Like what 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 keeps people in PES so long? And then my last question, which you could probably answer first, is what's the average length of stay? at the emergency rooms where 50% of the patients are coming from before they finally get over to John George. So like, how long is somebody really waiting at St. Rose or, or Highland or, or San Leandro? And the, one of the reasons I ask is I was told early on that the Zeller model, while applauded as, as an award-winning way to really get medical uh, psychiatric care to patients faster and avoid putting them in jail and, and seeing that they're treated is a great model, I'm not questioning the philosophy because I, I think you guys have won awards for that, right? Um, but but I've also heard that. But if, if taken to an extreme, just because they're not in those emergency rooms around the county, just because they're at PES, if you've got a census of 60, then it, it's really no better. It's like that's one of the arguments that's being thrown at us. That and, and so that's so. Those are my kind of. What do you mean it's no better? Huh? What do you mean it's no better? Meaning, if 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 a person's in an emergency room in Highland for only an hour, and then they're transferred to John George where they're in a very, very cramped space for 24 hours, is that really better than being in an emergency room for three hours, for four hours, while the John George census is getting under control and then transferred over where they get the psychiatric well, care it, they need? Like, that, that's what I'm curious about. The and, and, and I can see the argument for someone with, uh, with uh, the behavioral issue, you know, the, what do we call it, behavioral health. Mm -hmm. um, but if I am, if I am in uh, an accident, I've fallen and broken my hip, or I have a heart attack, and I can't, there's no room in an emergency room, what we have said is behavioral health has a higher priority because they are taking the space. So how is that better? Uh, I, I don't know that it is. I, I'm, not say, I'm not saying that it is. I hadn't. I'm not putting. I'm not looking at the sense. And, and I'm not arguing with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm no. trying to process if, in fact, if we have a shortage of space at our emergency rooms and people are stacking up, and that's part of the reason that the Zeller model is also important. That's an ancillary benefit that hasn't been argued to me as to why it's such a great model. And that may be that. I mean, that's why I'm asking the experts. So the Zeller model is that everybody goes to BES. What's is that? What is it's the Zeller? Get yeah, it was there faster. That's the core. That's the core of it. But I think the issue is it's not just a matter of the time spent, it's also the availability of the expertise. Right. That's so, right. so a person right. waiting in a local emergency room for four hours is not the same as a person in PES for four hours because of the availability of the care. Correct. The, the safety of the patient who doesn't have a med surge problem, waiting 10 hours in Highland versus in John George, it's safer in John George. And other way around because we know that alcoholics and patients with behavioral issues to put them among med surge it will disrupt the care of other patients plus they are at a higher risk of falling because they are observed in a different ways so uh, it's it's just safer to be in, a, in an environment look this is domino effect i can see there well that's what that's why i'm asking the question because i i would like to be able to give our detractors that kind of answer back as to why it makes sense. But again, back to my first question of 
how long are people that should be a PES waiting in the emergency rooms on average? And I know that you may not have that data, but I... Well, no, Dr. Dr. Ziller did, have, did do a study of lo our local area ERs, and it's less than two hours. Okay. That, 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 that was, was after after the model was put in place, right? That's, that's correct. Before, Before it was like 12 hours, I believe. Yeah, yeah. average in California. state yeah. where they don't have that model, people, there, there's a substantial difference in the wait time. Right. In 12 hours. So, so let me, does that include Highland? I'm sorry. So go ahead. Does that yes, include Highland? Um, let me check in and see how far along you are because we're, we'll run out of time if we discuss this. Let me say, by the way, Dr. Simon says they do drop... Um, 5150s in RED in consultation almost always with the PES psychiatrist on the phone. One of your questions, but I can just visit with fairly quickly. The 9.7 that are there, yeah, yeah, yeah. are waiting for a bed. These are people who have been identified as in need of hospitalization and there is no bed available. And so they stay in PES until we can either find a bed in the community, which is fairly rare, and this or there are discharges from PES, I mean from John George, and they can come into it to a bed there. Okay. So when you say they need a bed, they need a, a psychiatric bed. Yes. 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 Um, I'm, I'm going to move along for, for Dr. Zorkin's. Well, uh, some of these, yeah, we've seen, so you'll be able to go through them quick. My notes are on only a couple of slides. Okay. Uh, this, is, this is an updated slide of uh, September up through last week that we're seeing that the number of registered visits is going down. Uh, the number of total visits when you count registered in 24 is hovering between 48 and 51. This includes uh, a, a huge number of folks that we saw over the Labor Day weekend. We had 76 patients in PES at one time with, over, with about 30 patients waiting for inpatient beds. That was quite a weekend. That was a weekend. So you can see this here, what, what the experience is. Before we put triage docs in, we were hovering between 53 and 57 patients a day. After the triage docs, we're hovering between uh, 40, roughly 49 patients to 51 patients a day. Uh, someone asked if it's seasonal. Uh, you can see here the dark bars represent August. Uh, August uh, is, uh, is, we're experiencing two things. We're either high in 2014 and 2013, we had a fairly high census, and in 15 and 16, it's, it's lower than other, other months. The highest months we tend to see are around fall. Uh, October, November, December, and January, we tend to see a bit of a drop off as families tend to rally around their, their <coughs> folks with mental illness, keep them out of the hospital. Now, this is, our, this is the proposal that we put forward uh, that we uh, delivered to the healthcare committee in order to um, at least hold off or delay transfers of behavioral health patients from area ERs. So at times when the conditions in PES exceed our ability to provide high quality care, that's key. Uh, then this plan will go in place. The question is, how do we determine that we exceed our ability to provide high-quality care? That's multifactorial. And the factors are in the last bullet point there, but are broken out in the following slides. First of all, that the physical space in the unit doesn't allow for us to provide high-quality care. And we've got just too many bodies in the space. It's not necessarily a number. That because it can be, we could have... 50, body, 55, right? 60 patients, but with the right acuity mix there and the right number of staff, we can manage those patients fairly well. Or it might be as we might have 35 patients in there and it'd be very difficult to manage because either we don't have enough staff or the acuity mix. That goes to question number or point number two, current staffing levels. If we can't get enough staff, then we then then it could be a situation where we can't provide the quality of care that we uh, that we are known for. 
Our third point here is also around staffing. If we have so many staff that are, uh, that are assigned one-to-ones for patients, then that dips into our staffing pool. We might have a, a challenge in getting additional staff should we get a bolus of patients coming in from EDs. Another one is clearly the number of patients waiting for a psychiatric evaluation. We've got patients stacked up waiting for uh, a psychiatrist or we don't have enough psychiatrists on staff at a particular time for whatever reason. That could impact our ability to deliver high quality care. And uh, the next one is patients with a disposition. Say we've got six patients lined up to go within the next hour. It would make sense that we open up our ability to receive transfers from EDs during that time as uh, these are confirmed dispositions, confirmed discharges. Um, with this model, ambulances arriving from the field will continue to be accepted because that's an EMTALA requirement. Uh, Walk-ins will be accepted, again, under EMTALA, which is the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act, which requires us to assess patients presenting for emergency uh, assessment, emergency treatment, and law enforcement arrivals will be accepted. Those are very few law enforcement. I was, was going to ask you to distinguish there because I thought all law enforcement transfers were done by an ambulance. This is this basically references Santa Rita Jail. Okay, those, those, that right. 2%. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, uh, going back to EMTALA is that we do have to uh, accept uh, transfers from the field or any emergency uh, rig that shows up or is on the way. Uh, we can't divert them at this point. Uh, EMS partnership. We have a field screening and evaluation. It has to be. It has to be continued and honored. I'm, I'm going to jump in here. Um, yep. it, it just be, and, and really, I, I asked for this presentation, so I'm going to like got to get drill right down. Uh, and, and thank you for. And I, and I want to say that I really respect the rationale behind not having a fixed number, yes. but a set of circumstances. Good. And I realize it's more of an art than a science. Yes. Um, depends on the patient. I mean, I get that. I think that's really good. And that really helps all of us collectively answer the questions we get from the other untrained people like ourselves about why it is that we're not okay with the cap. We get it from the unions. We get it from the board supervisors. We get it from their staff. And, and being able to articulate that, I think, is really important to us maintaining that positive relationship with our partners and, and, and um, answering our detractors. So that said, uh, you mentioned MTALA requiring that ambulances arriving from the field have to be um, taken. One question I, I really have about the whole system is who decides that an ambulance comes and takes someone to John George, like in a law enforcement situation? So only a psychiatrist or psychologist can release a hold, but it sounds like who can place a hold. And, and, and here's what I want to get at. Um, you know, I deal with some tricky populations in Oakland in my, in my day job. And um, we have, I'm wondering when a police officer encounters someone that um, needs encounter, <coughs> and they say, oh gosh, this guy, whoa, I'm, I'm worried, you know, let's call, you know, AMS or whatever they're called. Uh, AMR. AMR, thank you. No, it's not AMR, it's EMS. EMS, thank EMS. you. <laughs> EMR is uh, one of them. Yeah, it used to be, that's who it used, used to be. Here. To be. Um, who decides, yeah, this guy needs to go to John George? We're, 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 I mean, this is not a trained psychiatrist in the field. It's not even a doctor. You've got a, a police officer and a paramedic, right? So, so let, me, let me jump in on that fairly quickly. I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. The law trained. enforcement, law, the, the police officer determines whether or not an emergency condition exists, a, 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 a de, conditions of detainment exist. Is the person an immediate danger to self, danger to others, or is gravely disabled as an immediate result of their mental condition. Law enforcement is trained and has the ability to do that, and they place the hold. In Alameda County, the next step is for law enforcement to call EMS. 
Right. The ambulances then come and they don't do a psychiatric evaluation. What they do in the field is determine if a medical condition exists and thus the patient needs to be taken to a local emergency department for medical clearance prior to coming to John George. The algorithm for that was developed in partnership between Dr. Zeller back in 2012 and EMS, a director of EMS, and area emergency directors. So could a medical condition be like serious you know, drug overdose or alcohol you know, poisoning yeah. or something yes, like that? absolutely. Right. Okay. Or yeah. it could be a stroke and, and people don't speak the guy's language. You know, I mean, right. there are lots of reasons why people get on 5150s that are very medical. Yes, very true. Yes, exactly. So how often is, I mean, again, are, are our law enforcement and EMS partners utilizing other alternatives to the best of their ability in Alameda County? And, and so what I'm wondering is, if somebody is, is having a severe, um, well, let's just, if somebody's really deep in their addiction, are, are they showing up at John George as opposed to somewhere like Cherry Hill? There are specific uh, uh, specific recommendations within the, the medical clearance or the medical field triage around intoxication. If the person uh, cannot ambulate, if the person has altered mental state, altered uh, uh, conscious, what do you call that? Altered, altered, altered consciousness, then those conditions go to an ER. We're not seeing folks being in a, it's pretty rare when someone is transferred to John George and an emergency medical non-psychiatric condition exists. Okay. Pretty rare. We have a doctor on call, the EMS, right, that they can talk to. Yes, EMS, EMS does. Yes, it's not our doctors, but they have a physician on call. Absolutely. I just, I just, I, I, I wondered about that, of, of whether people are showing up at John George that should, that are really having a drug uh, altered state, as you put it. So, so that's not the case. Well, keep in mind that the triage psychiatrist makes another assessment about the presence of medical conditions that might need to be dealt with elsewhere. So EMS may decide to bring the patient based on agreed-upon criteria, but the triage psychiatrist may say, no, I'm concerned that this blood pressure is too high, and so I need you to take this person to a medical clearance first. So what, I don't know the number offhand, but there, that would be reflected in the number of EMS arrivals that get turned away. It's relatively small. I don't, you happen to know the number? No. However, however, one of the other conditions for using Cherry Hill is it's a voluntary placement. Well, yeah, I know. That's why we was, can't take 5150. Well, sure. that's why I was wondering if the path of least resistance for an officer is to say, well, hey, we can't get them to volunteer to go Cherry Hill, but they're a danger to themselves, so let's send them to John George. Does that happen, I guess, is my question. Yes, of course. Um, so uh, this meeting has got 10 minutes left in its schedule. Um, obviously, we're going to go off over a little, but I'm wondering if we need to right. move on to the next topic. Are we pretty much? We're pretty much done, yeah. We have, there, are, there are community consequences that I've made the board aware of. One is that we could have increased wait time in ERs. Uh, ERs are going to have to have psychiatric support of some sort. Uh, patients can begin to use alternative routes to get to John George that we wouldn't be able to control, as you can see here in the presentation. Uh, and there are a huge number of stakeholders in the process that we cannot leave out of the discussion as we move forward. Del so. Becca, were you intending to have this as one of the topics at the retreat for us to, to get into this a little bit more? Uh, actually, I, I haven't come up with the, one of my... Uh, Our agendas yet? Agenda, thing. yeah, I haven't. Uh, one of my... Um, comments in my statement tonight, my message is to ask for an ad hoc 
committee as we normally do to come up with the agenda items, and so we can certainly uh, include this as one. Because I, I think Joe's point about the board really understanding all the dynamics, so mm -hmm. in fact we can address those things publicly to those people, as he's called them, detractors, I agree, um, that that maybe we we should think about that. So that might be something we could we could talk about. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, I want to acknowledge where we know there's work to be done. Like that that 9.7 a day. I still want to drill down further there. Maybe we can't today, but you know, you say they need a bed either at John George or in the community, whatever the community means. Well, that and, would be Fremont Hospital or other area psych, acute psychiatric yeah. hospitals. They need a psychiatric bed. Yeah, but I mean that that that's a huge number when you consider the size of PES, right? I mean that when you consider your daily census, that's about 25 percent. About 25 percent. Yeah, correct. And so, so that speaks to a need that we need our county and our other partners to help us with. So it's not just the inflow, it's the output. Right, and, and it's not just responding to the detractors, but trying to find a county-wide yeah, solution yeah, to, exactly. to an issue that is right. really difficult to solve. You right. know? So that, to me, is, a, is the, larger, yeah. the larger issue. Right. We have someone who'd like to join the conversation. Very quick. Can you introduce yourself? I'm with SEIU Local 10 to 1, not one of your detractors, right? Because this productive conversation is precisely where our membership would have, in their wildest dreams, hoped that this went, right? You're drilling down, you're working on these issues that are um, playing out in other areas, too. This, you're talking about a discharge and uh, admission issue ultimately and this is the first time that we've seen and we are supportive of uh, strong management of the inflow and outflow and part of that is not your problem part of that is the community problem but the community is now as a result beginning to talk about this and we look forward to uh, speaking more formally to, to drill down on just what our existing concerns are. You have uh, thrown out the number 50. We have set that as the place where we understand high quality care to come, but we understand that the fluidity that is acuity, we believe that also, uh, is an important measure also. So we are thrilled that uh, this plan has been put forward. I want to make that stunningly clear. We're interested in a strong conversation about how we ensure that um, the sub whatever subjectivity or fluidity is there doesn't allow for, frankly, what happened on Labor Day. I know that was a surprise to folks, but you don't want 80 people in that room. It's not high quality care, and we don't want those flows to get there. So uh, that's where we are. We look forward to these conversations. You're doing good work and talking uh, well about this, and, and those conversations should continue. Thank you. Okay. So I think we have to, uh, let's see, we need to approve the minutes and approve the policies and then go into closed session, right? Does anybody get a chance to read them? And do I have I, a I move approval of the minutes. I second it. Um, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. I move Aye. approval of the policies. I second. <laughs> this All is what I wanted favor. to talk about today. <laughs> I, are you in favor? Yes. I, okay. So no one opposed to the policies. Policies approved. Minutes are approved. And I actually did look at them. Good. I did too. Yeah. And so we will go into closed session. Okay. And I guess we already had our public comment. Any other? No other. Okay. All right. We are adjourned. Thank you very right. much. Thank you.